Hello, everyone. And thank you for joining Debbie and I as we take some time on this Good Friday to remember Jesus's death for us all on the cross. On this Good Friday, we are all separated from each other in our own homes. But let us at the same time remember that, as St Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. This service will be a mixture of prayers, Bible readings, music and reflections that are taken from a book by Stephen Cottrell called The Nail. In this book, Stephen helps us to consider the passion of Jesus Christ from the perspectives of different characters in the story. And so we'll hear from the point of view of Peter, the disciple, Caiaphas, the high priest, Pontius Pilate and finally Mary Magdalene. The Bible readings will be read by Richard Lansdale, Libby Wayne, Tim Ryan and Eleanor Aldred in that order. Also, please note there will be pauses in this recording, so please don't adjust your device as the silences are intentional. So at the start of our time together, let's pray. Eternal God, in the cross of Jesus, we see the cost of our sin and the depth of your love. In humble hope and fear, may we place at his feet all that we have and all that we are through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We'll now sing the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
We're now going to join in with a confession. When I say, Lord, forgive us, please respond with the words, Christ, have mercy. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess we have failed you as did your first disciples. We ask your mercy and your help. Our selfishness betrays you. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. We fail to share the pain of your suffering. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. We run away from those who abuse you. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. We are afraid of being known to belong to you. Lord, forgive us. Christ, have mercy. While he was speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion, that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour, when darkness reigns. Then, seizing him, they led him away, and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter, the disciple. I know what you're thinking. It would be what any normal person would think in the circumstances. You let him down. You did your own thing. You went your own way. But just stop for a minute and think what you would have done. 
oh, it's easy to judge from your safe distance. But when you're in the thick of it, when it's happening around you, it's much more difficult. You find you're thinking about yourself. It all becomes very plain. How do I save my own skin here? But what you probably don't understand is this. It is what he wanted. This is what he was seeking out. And I really believe that he might be. No, that he was the Messiah. But not like this. I mean, he had every opportunity to show people, but he said nothing, did nothing. And then last night by the fire, he just looked at me. And I don't know how to read that look. So much else has happened, so much in so short a time. Washing our feet, telling us to love each other, breaking bread and telling us it was his body, pouring wine and saying it was his blood, saying that one of us would deny him. And then when Judas left, surely he must have known. Why? Again, nothing. He just let him go. And I was indignant. Yes, they might all slink away. They might even turn on him, but not me. I would stand fast. But I was wrong, wrong about Jesus and wrong about myself. After the meal, he took us to this garden and asked us to stay awake. But it was too much. He always seemed to be asking me for things, things I couldn't give. So we just slept. And when they came to get him, I mean came to arrest him, and it must have been Judas who led them there. None of us was ready. You see, suddenly everything was unravelling and I either wanted Jesus to tell them who he was, to do something, to say something. Or else I wanted to fight back. But to do nothing, to be handed over like that, it doesn't make any sense. And so I thought, I don't mind telling you, I tried to stop them. And is that wrong? Are you going to condemn me for that? Don't you fight? But in that moment, I also knew that for him, being Messiah was never what I believed it would be, not what any of us believed. And that was a dark moment because I tried to say this to him before and he called me Satan. Then I'm seized by these huge cavernous doubts like someone has reached into my chest and put a cold hand around my heart. Is it all in vain? Is he just a madman? The blasphemer, the simpleton that others say he is. Am I not to drink the cup the father gives me? That's what he said when they took him away. But what does it mean? What cup? What father? I still don't know. He talks in riddles and his riddles hurt. His words have always been an uncomfortable truth, like an irritant under the skin. You scratch and scratch, but they just won't go away. And I did follow. Everyone else panicked. For the first few moments after he was taken, there was mayhem. 
no one knew what to do no one had no one had anything to say and yet we all screamed at each other like it was someone's fault so I followed at a distance carefully but it was too late I could see it was all over and maybe I was the fool forever believing it could have been different so when they said to me you know him you were with him you are one of them well it was easy to say no because you see I don't know him I'm not with him I'm not one of them not anymore there is no them it is over so answer me this this is the question that possessed me why when he turned and looked at me did it hurt so much why am I so frightened what did he see in me what else is there to be dragged into the light you see he saw deep inside me saw my stupidity saw my fear and he loved me that's what it was love and I just don't get this love because I don't know who he is so if you're looking for someone to blame for the death of this Jesus don't look here yes I got it wrong we all did he did get over it but these are the facts he was arrested tried beaten nailed down crucified we failed to stop it happening we saved our own skins just like you'd save yours we didn't like the thought of those nails in our soft flesh so we ran i don't like the thought of them in his but that's what happened i didn't see it happen but it happened it's done. He was handed over to the authorities and a Roman soldier nailed him to a tree. That was it. End of.
Following the reflection that we've just heard, let's pray together. Lord, when I am puffed up with myself, gilded, over-eggs, full of self-importance and empty of grace, when I would rather shrink your vision to the limits of my own imagining than rise to, the pray, to praise the new horizons you have made. Look at me with love. Pierce the armour of my pride. Stay the hand of my hasty activity and allow me to cast doubt on the hurried solutions that I cobble together to make excuses for my faults. See inside me, believe in me and help me to start again. Amen.
Matthew 26, verses 57 to 68 Jesus before the Sanhedrin Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and this whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two men came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, 
I charge you under the oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat in his face and struck him with fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah. Who hit you? Caiaphas the High Priest In these situations, it is easy to get, how can I put it, carried away, emotional, transported on a great wave of sympathy, tolerance. But be sure of this, the wave will break. And then there is a need for someone to take a longer view, to set this man and this event in a larger context. That is my task. I am that someone. Facts, you say. What are the facts? Indeed, a very good question. But each witness says something slightly different. So who do you believe? Yes, their stories were useful, interesting, they create the right impression, concern, alarm, dis-ease. But some of us look behind the facts, to the motive, to the larger picture. So let me put this to you regarding Jesus, the so-called King of the Jews. And for my witness, not the bleating of a few gullible fools who were taken in by his magic and charm. Yes, I'll give you that. He had charm, a certain way with words. But the scripture, God's word, that is what condemns him. For this little preacher from Nazareth, this Galilean Messiah, got above himself. Answer me this, if you will. Which of the prophets ever pointed to themselves? You don't know, do you? Why? Because they didn't. They always pointed to God. Even that troublesome imposter John, so proud of his wild ways and prancing in the margins, where it is very easy to, easy to win friends and a few favourable reviews, pointed beyond himself. But I act in the centre stage, where decisions have to be made, deals struck. That is my responsibility, and I carry it alone. I see that we survive. What good would it be to see this jumped up Nazarene tearing up the carefully woven fabric of our equilibrium? Do you think it is easy to survive when these Roman pimps and dandies control our every move? These infidels, they do not care for us and they do not care for peace. And they certainly do not care for God. But they do understand order. This Jesus of yours, this Messiah, he pushed it too far. He came in from the margins where we could control him and contain him, where, let's face it, 
he had some uses. But like a moth circling too close to the light, it was inevitable once he came to the centre that he would be burned. And if you are interested in knowing what happened as you maintain, if it is justice you're after, then consider this. His death has maintained order, has kept us going. That is what we need to do. That is what we are skilled at, surviving, adapting. His assault on our order was bound to end like this. So let scripture condemn him. Coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, flouting the Sabbath, disturbing the legitimate business of the temple, calling God Father. But more than this, and if you cannot grasp anything else about this case, then take hold of this one fact that reveals his motive. He pointed to himself. He had the audacity to stand in my presence, the high priest of the temple, the one whose role it is to mark out the coming in and the going out of God and enter God's presence on behalf of the people and utter the name that even I am not worthy to utter. None of us. You see, that is the point. He dared to say it. In my presence. Dared to say, I am. As if to be with him was to be in the presence of God. And I despise him for it. We're striking at the very root of our faith. Destroy this temple in three days. Indeed, it was our very faith, our very survival that he threatened. And so it was better that he died. Justice, blame, don't speak to me about those things when our very, our very existence is at stake. And do not ask for, for an apology. Did you really believe that the Romans would have suffered him for very much longer? Of course not. We merely hastened the inevitable. We pulled some strings. It was convenient for all of us that we brought things to a conclusion. We nailed it. History will not remember him, but we will go on. You want someone to blame. That is natural. That is how, shall we put it, reasonable. And if nothing else, I think I've demonstrated that I am a reasonable man. I see things in their context. I do what is right for the survival of our people. I take the longer view. It is reasonable that Jesus died. Better that one man die. Expedient. Or would you prefer that the whole people perish? There were no other options. He had to go.
Following that reflection from Caiaphas, let's pray. Lord, when I am very confident, when it is crystal clear and the die cast, and when I stride life's path, looking neither to left or right, defeat me. Pull the rug from under my feet, confound me. For my hope rests in my undoing. Pity the upright man who has never stumbled. Have mercy on the sinner who has never sinned. Bind up the wounds of the man who does not know he's wounded. And turn around the runner who at the chequered flag reaches for the garland, but has never seen the misery in his wake, the feet he has trodden on, the false paths he has travelled. Possess me, for I am possessed. Defeat me, for I am defeated. Confound me, for I am confounded. Only when I stop seeing myself and the grand tapestry of my own plans will I see you as you are and myself as you would have me. Amen.
John 19, 1-16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail the King of the Jews, and slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officers saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Pontius Pilate. Truth. You'll forgive me if I don't join in the merriment. It is never as simple as you think. Very rarely black or white. Not as clear as you imagine. Usually shades of grey that run into each other and collide. But truth itself, it is uncommon, elusive, like trying to catch the wind. That was Jesus' mistake. He saw it clearly, or rather he thought he did. So take off your blinkers, stop pointing your fingers at me, and consider one of the few bits of black and whiteness in this whole sorry episode. I tried to release him. I didn't want him killed. It was what I had to do to keep the peace. The crowd had turned on him. There was no other choice. I actually quite liked the man. He had a certain steely coolness. Not aloof, but assured. It was, uncom it was uncomfortable. Everybody commented on it. My own wife told me to have nothing to do with the man to let him go. And as I said, that's what I wanted to do. But events got out of hand. The crowd got ugly. Everyone was screaming, crucify him, crucify him. This man they called their king. This man they had been so pleased to see. Do away with him, they shouted. Do your duty to Rome. He threatens your authority. Kill him. Even his own religious leaders were frightened of him. I could see that. But they were also frightened of what the crowd would say if they dealt with him themselves, which they could have done. He wouldn't be the first person they had stoned. 
but they wanted us to solve the problem. They wanted their own hands clean. What a joke. I can't believe I'm telling you this because I wanted my hands clean too. You see, this man disturbed me and I gave him so many chances to evade the bait. But it was almost as if he was determined to die. It was as if he wanted the nails to pierce him. After a while, he barely even spoke to me, ignored my questions, spoke about a kingdom that was beyond the rule of Rome and then shut up condemned himself with this little strutting, flouting defiance. Because there is no kingdom. He had no power. His followers had left him and the crowd were baying for blood. In the end, I was the one trying to save him. Don't you understand that? I said to him plainly. Don't you know that I have the power to release you and power to crush you? And he said, and you have to admire the impudence of the man, you would have no power unless it was given to you from above. Though, as I say, it is not really impudence, and it is certainly more than defiance. It is a sort of madness. Only what disturbed me most about this man is that he was not mad. It was as if he had an inner something that sustained him, propelled him, made him stand up to me, stand up to Rome, stand up to his own leaders, so much so that it was as though he was embracing that cross that we gave him, holding it, as if he was not just doing it for himself. That's why I wanted to release him. This Barabbas, the crowd was certainly so, so keen to save, was a monster, a murderer, a menace. But he lives. And this Jesus, the king of the Jews, he dies. A plain sinner saved. A good man, a son of God, killed. What sense does that make? But I am not going to be blamed for this. I spoke plainly. I find no case against him. I let the crowds decide. I even called for a basin of water so that I could wash my hands in front of them, in front of them. I am innocent of this man's blood, I said, and walked away. What else could I have done? There would have been a riot. So if you want a culprit, a scapegoat, if you want someone to say, look, it was me. I hammered the nails into his hands. I am guilty. I killed him. Don't look at me. My hands are clean. Look at his own leaders. Look for the ones who handed him to me. They have greater blame. They have the nails in their hands. Speak to Annas. Speak to the high priest, Caiaphas. He hated Jesus. It was his power that, that was threatened, not mine. Jesus was never going to topple Rome, but he might have shaken the ridiculous charade of their own religious posturing. But I am innocent of this man's blood. Don't you understand? Innocent. Now leave me be.
Following that reflection from Pilate, let's pray. Lord, when I take pride in my own cleanliness and absent myself from consequences, when I sleep easy in my bed, disturb me. Show me where the hammer meets the mark. Wipe away conceit's veneer with the tears of the countless sorrowful, with the howling grief of despairing dispossessed, with all the chickens home to roost and the mother hen destroyed. Show it to me clearly in the cold light of what it has become because of me. Then open my heart to the wisdom of God and cleanse me from the inside out. Amen. Verses 33 to 41. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who'd come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Mary Magdalene All day long I waited. The sun made its slow course across the sky, and I waited. I stood in the shadows away from the crowd as they screamed and scoffed. I saw the hate in their eyes, and I was carried with them down the winding roads to the city walls. I watched it happen, saw them stretch him out on the wood, saw them pounding the nails into place, saw them lift him up. And all the while there is this screaming in my ears, people shouting abuse, people joking, everyone wound up. But death comes slowly. And while I stood there, motionless, fixed to the spot, punctured, Everyone else drifts away. He isn't saying anything anymore. There's no magic, no fireworks. Just the sun turning in the sky. The suffocating heat. And his life turning to an end. Like when you wind a piece of catgut in your fingers, round and round, pulling it tighter and tighter until it just snapped. That was what was happening to him. And I couldn't stop it. I just waited and watched. It was the last thing I could give to him, who has given me so much, who gave me back my dignity, who saw me as me, who healed me not so much by flashy power, but by affirmation, by love. He made me a person again. He saw what I could be. He lifted me up. And now that's where he is, lifted up, like he said he would be. But no one is drawn to it, only a few of us left, watching and waiting. When they hammered in the nails, he turned to the soldiers who were doing it and forgave them. 
and he wouldn't even argue with Pilate or Caiaphas or any of them. Like he knew what was happening was not just about them and they couldn't be left with the blame. And he let Judas do what he knew he was going to do. And for one last time, he even saved Peter from himself and stopped him from brandishing his sword as if he could take on the entire Roman Empire single-handed. But that's what Jesus has done. He's taken us all on. I see it in his dying. And that is why I feel so wretched, so tired. He goes on loving. That is the sheer unstoppable force of it all. That is what today means for me. In the whole bloody roller coaster of this week, and especially in these last few hours, he has never stopped loving. Even when love had to be tough, even when truths needed to be told, even when he had no options left, no power to deploy, he went on loving. And that's why everyone fled. His love is too enormous, so complete, so daunting. It casts the shadow even longer and deeper than the sun itself. His light is that bright and I just needed to go on looking at it until it set until our hate our greed our envy our spite had snuffed it out in the end there was only the murmuring of prayer on his lips crying out to the God who had forsaken him everyone will be looking for someone to blame for this this stupid waste of life this assault on love, this killing of the man who showed me humanity, showed me God in a way I'd never known before. Everyone will be queuing up behind Pilate to wash their hands. But I know who is to blame. I know it, and at the same time, I'm liberated by it. You see, it was me. I watched them put that cross upon his shoulders. I watched them hammer the nails into his hands, and it was like I was doing it. I had the nails in my hands. I was holding them between my fingers and bringing the hammer down. You see, it was my stupidity, my pride, my envy, my spite that got in the way and got it all wrong and put him up there. Each one a nail hammers home. And I don't just mean me, but all the me's that make up a crowd, that make up a world. But I can only take responsibility for my part of it. That is why I'm watching. That is why I'm waiting. We don't know what to do with a love like this, so we destroyed it. But as I look at him on that cross, I was at the same time convicted and at the same time released. They've taken him down now and all I can see is an empty cross, the space where he'd been. I can't see him anymore, but his love went on 
right through to the end, right through to the dying, even when everything and everyone had rejected him. He was alone in the last struggles of expiring life, and yet there was love. And I don't know where that will lead for me or what good it will do, but I see it now. It was for my sins that he hung and suffered there. And somehow, by the tenacity of his loving, I am free to love again. Can I invite you now to take your palm cross in your hands if you have it near to you? Then can I suggest that you look at it as I pray this prayer and as we contemplate together the sacrifice Jesus made once for all upon the cross. So let us pray. Lord, I don't know how to pray and I certainly don't know what to ask for. All my energy is spent, my tears dried up, and my heart wrung out. I see your beauty, and I long to hold again the strong certainties of your presence. Help me to wait. Fix in my heart the knowledge of your beauty, and the assurance of what your presence brings. Lead me on the way that is life. Strengthen my feet to walk this path. Lift my eyes to your new horizons and there let me seek you in whatever is to come. For I believe you are the saviour of the world and by your cross, we have been healed and we are saved. Amen. So let's join in and say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Our Easter Day services will be available on this website and on the Christchurch Facebook page at 9am and 10.30 on Sunday. We look forward to being with you then.
But for now, a final prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, the story of your suffering is written on our hearts and the salvation of the world is in your outstretched hands. Keep your victory ever before our eyes, your praise on our lips, your peace in our lives. Amen. Thank you.